Hi everyone, welcome to The Truth About Success. The truth, we've got some exciting information for you today because we've got a very, very, very special guest here. One of my mentors there. And I just want to share with you about a little bit about Mr. Jeff Regal. And just remember, our, our goal here is just to share the truths because we want you to understand that success is not a mystery. There, there is a formula to it. And hopefully you've got some of the formula so far, but we're going to be giving you some more information today. And our very special guest, Mr. Jeff Regal, is the, is the third generation descendant of the founder of Regalware. So it's very rare you have a family business that actually goes three, four generations, and we're now in our fourth generation. But Jeff has been, was 30 years, he led the Regalware as president and CEO before handing it over to his son, Ryan, in March of 2021. Okay, he now stays on board as the company chairman and the board of directors. He's semi-retired. Well, he thinks he's retired, but he hasn't retired yet. <laughs> okay, he's still, he's still in there. And, uh, but under Jeff's leadership, the company has grown from what was a small company into a ginormous company, what we have today. And the company has a reputation for integrity, for growth, innovation, and continual reinvention. Jeff has always been willing to invest in new ideas while keeping a core focus on the success of its customers, employees, and suppliers. And I'm one of the investments he made in, so thank you, Jeff. Uh, they, they, they work with their people, and this is important. When I was looking at joining the company uh, 18 years ago, I always remember in the, in the factory, and that's the factory behind me, there was a board on the wall that had people who had served in the company for 30, 40, 50 years. And I think anybody who has a company where people work for you for 50 years gives you the, the strength and the, of, of the relationship within that company. Uh, Jeff believes strongly in the opportunities that direct selling provides to people across the globe. He has served as the chairman of the Direct Selling uh, Association and Education Fund from 2004-2005 and then chairman of Direct Selling Association from 2006 to 2007. In June of 2018, Jeff was inducted into the Direct Selling Association Hall of Fame. This prestigious award celebrates the contribution of extraordinary leaders whose work has helped chart the course for direct selling's future success. So without further ado, I'd like to introduce to you the one and only Mr. Jeffrey Eagle. Hi, Jeff. Hello, Lyle. It's great to be here with you today. And I do have to comment. A moment ago, you made a comment about uh, investments we've made, and you were one of them. Uh, I wish all of my investments turned out as well as this one did. So thank, oh, you. thank you very much. Thank you very much. Well, I appreciate it. You know, and just talking about that, Jeff, you know, you, you are, you, you have invested, but as you say, not all your ideas work out, not all your investments work out, isn't it? So, but you keep doing it. Why do you do that? <laughs> Why do we keep investing? Well, because we believe in the business because we believe in growing the business. We believe in the people who are associated with the business. We believe in supporting those people who are associated with the business. Uh, and of course, if you don't keep growing, if you don't keep investing, you never stay even. 
you're either going up or you're going down. And uh, we want to make sure we're always going up. Doesn't always work that way. There are stumbling blocks along the way, but more often than not, the old adage is if you're right 51% of the time, you're ahead of the game. Uh, I'd like to be a little more right than that, but you know what? There's still an awful lot of mistakes get made along the way. It goes with the territory, isn't it? I mean, it, to me, it's always been part of it. That, um, you just learn from that and you step up and you go again. And you just keep going. And I, I, I agree with you. You're either growing or you're dying. That's always been one of my mottos. You're either growing or you're dying. So, Jeff, just to just to get carried on here and get, get started here, you you obviously successful. You've done a phenomenal job. Company's been going uh, family now 100 years, I believe. Close, yes. Close to 100 years. So that that's a hell of an achievement. And what always amazes me is when people see successful people, they think they got it easy or they got it, they, they got lucky. And you don't get lucky for 100 years. Um, you know, I don't know who, what's wrong with some of these people. But when you think about that, what would you say to people about your thoughts of that statement? Successful people are lucky. My dad has this, a quote, the harder you work, the luckier you get. And I think there's an awful lot of truth in that. You know, people get born into money. Now it becomes what you do with that money. Somebody who is a trust fund baby and just goes out and lives a fabulous life, you're gonna look at them and think they're successful, but are they really? What have they done to create value, uh, to help move the world forward? Not much at all. You know, people will say, I'm lucky. Jeff Regal is lucky. I was born into the Regal family, and we have this great big cookware business. Well, you know what? Yeah, I was, by fate of birth, I was lucky. Beyond that, it's the opportunity. I was lucky to have the opportunity to work for Regalware. After that, it became, what did I do with that opportunity? you have to be successful in taking advantage of the opportunity because it's just not going to happen. If you don't make it work, you never get there. Thank you. Thank you. So talking about that, then what was your childhood like then if we were to go well back to your childhood, because you're born into the Regal family, but uh, business, I'm sure there were ups and downs in the business as well. So you experienced all that. What was, what was childhood like? That's a good question. I, I was born in a very small rural community in the upper Midwest of the United States. Uh, it was a small community. It's a tight knit community. So, you know, everybody knew everybody, which was kind of okay, except everybody knew everybody. Uh, there, there weren't very many secrets. Uh, so your dad usually found out what you were doing. But as far as the ups and downs of the business, I, I will say that my parents did a great job of shielding us as children from the business. And by that, I mean, the problems didn't come home. Uh, and we got together with my grandparents probably every Sunday for dinner. Business was never discussed at the dinner table. Uh, it just wasn't done. Now, my father did share his passion for the business and his excitement for the business. And it was always a thrill for us to get to go into the office or go to the factory. That was really very, very exciting. Um, and that's, I think, where I started to develop my interest in the business. Yeah. 
And, and so if you look in your teenage times and, and growing up, there's obviously certain things that happened as you were growing up that maybe when they were happening, you didn't think they were going to help you in your career later. Uh, but now looking back and reflecting back on your childhood, your teenage days, what are the things that happened there? Do you think they've helped make you the man and the success you are today? I think it starts with family. Uh, definitely starts with family. I had a had I have a wonderful mother. Uh, my grandfather and my father were two of the best mentors anybody could ever have. Uh, not only teaching me about the business, but teaching me about life, and, and that was very very important to them. Uh, my grandfather was a firm believer in family and did a great job of holding the family together. And to this day. Uh, we're still a pretty tight family. I got to share a story with you, though, that um, I, I think kind of shows where my thinking went on this. When I was in high school, I worked in a factory that uh, printed and cut corrugated boxes. Uh, and it was, you know, it was a good summer job. And uh, one day we were making beer cases. I hated beer cases because they would come off of the die cut machine and you had to knock tear off of it, which because there are all kinds of funny little cuts in the handle holes. So you were head a hammer and you're knocking all that stuff out of there. And after a couple hours of this, the machine operator gets down and there were three of us down there who were doing this. And the guy walks up to us and goes, he said, you know, I've been watching you guys. He said, you guys are working your butts off. He said, I started out just like this and I worked my butt off too. You guys keep this up, and someday you're going to have your own machine just like me. Now, I don't mean to denigrate machine operators, but that's all the motivation I ever needed to go to college. Uh, I did not need my own machine. And within my family, education was extremely important. It started with my both of my grandfathers and came through my father and my mother. Uh, it was always expected that I was going to college. Um, and it was expected that I would do well in the process. So education was really, really a big factor, big motivation in, in how I was growing up. Fantastic, thanks for that. So you, you I mean, that gave you the spirit of most motivation. You went, you went to, uh, was it uh, the University of uh, Carroll, Carroll College? Carroll College, and, yes. Uh, yeah, you did a degree in business. Did you ever go back to do an MBA or anything like that? Or <laughs> No, I did not. And now I've, I've gone back and taken other classes, but I do not have an MBA. Uh, it was interesting. Uh, I spent three years in field sales. And when we moved back to Wisconsin, uh, I talked about going back to get an MBA. And my wife made it clear to me. She said, you're three years in the field. We're your MBA. Uh, and in many ways, they were. I learned how to sell. I learned how to deal with people. Uh, and it was a great experience. So talking about that, Jeff, when you started, obviously, you came into the family business. You, I know you did start at the top. What, what, what was your path to the CEO position? Well, my first job, and I, and I should point this out, I started cutting my grandfather's grass. Uh, and my grandfather was a perfectionist. 
Uh, he believed your, his yard had to look like a park, and I mean a really nice park. So uh, we worked pretty hard at that. My first job in the factory was in the maintenance department, and there is a, I think the machine is now retired, but it was a big washer. And I know that machine from the inside out because I spent three days laying on my back inside of that thing, scrubbing out the, the crud that builds up in there. Uh, so that's where I started. After I graduated from college, and I spent summers working at, in, in the company, but after I graduated from college, I, um, I thought I wanted to be a lawyer. And um, about halfway through that summer working part-time at the company, and I'd been accepted to law school, I thought, no, no, this isn't what I want to do. And again, my Jean, now my wife at that time was, uh, my fiance convinced me that maybe, maybe I should be in the family business. And it was kind of funny. The, um, so I mentioned that to my dad that night. By eight in the morning, I was in the sales department. And uh, I, I spent a year in uh, basically doing training. Then I went out into the field. I spent three years in field sales. And back in those days, I was calling on all classes of trade. It wasn't just direct selling. It was retailers. It was exporters. It was what we call premium business. Uh, so I got exposed to an awful lot of things. When I came back in, uh, I, I spent, uh, oh, about a year working in production control. I will admit I didn't find that quite as much fun as sales, but it did teach me how the factory operated. And then the balance of my career has basically been through the sales department, uh, heading up one of our retail divisions, uh, eventually heading up the entire retail sales area. Uh, then becoming in charge of all sales uh, until it was 1991, I believe, when I was uh, promoted to president and CEO. So my path has been through the sales area, and I still view my role as the head salesperson. Wow, thank you. Thanks for sharing that. So Jeff, just talking about sales there, um, what are your top two or three tips do you think that a, a good salesperson needs? Those, you know what, in the same three tips I would give to anybody on success. The first one, and this is especially true for a salesperson, is get out of bed in the morning. Uh, too many salespeople, when you're out in the field and nobody's watching, there are too many distractions. Uh, you need to get up in the morning. You need to have a plan for that day and write that plan down the day before that. Um, you, you, you just, you've got to do that. Get out of bed. Second, never stop learning. And that's paying attention to what's going on around you. I mean, you're going to read a lot. You're going to talk to a lot of people, but most important, you're going to listen to people and learn from them. Um, and you want to surround yourself with good people because uh, those are the people that they can teach you. And then the third is uh, never stop learning. Um, excuse me, my third point is surround yourself with good people. Uh, too often, we think we're not, you can't be the smartest person in the room. You need to surround yourself with people who know what they're doing and what they understand. And maybe they're experts in what they do, but you have to have the ability to listen to those. And 
being the smartest person in the world is not a good idea because uh, it just shuts you off from growth. And you don't ever be afraid of being around people who are smarter than you because it rubs off. You'll learn from them. I remember you, uh, you came over to visit me once and you said something quite profound. Is, and, and most people, and by the way, I, sh I share your opinion on, on, on that of not being the smartest one. I always employing people who are more clever than you around because I don't believe you can be good in everything. You need to know what you're good at, but you also need to know what you're not good at. Mm. Make sure the people you employ in those areas are a hell of a lot better at it than you are. But you did say one thing, which was um, I see in business where there are people who are afraid to employ people that are more talented than them in certain areas, isn't it? You see that. You see that all the time. And you know what? You don't have to be, you don't have to know everything. People come to you as a leader, as a manager, and they have a problem. They're looking for you as a manager, you wanna solve the problem. You want to say, do this. But you know what? Sometimes that's not the right choice. More often than not, you kick it back to the person and say, all right, what do you recommend? But you know what? If you don't know, you don't know. Say so, admit, I don't know the answer to that. Let's find out. And that's really how you build people around you also. Uh, don't give them the answers, help them find the answers. Thanks again, thanks for sharing that. So going back to the family business, 100 year old business, uh, we're now in our fourth generation of it. As you know, that is very rare. And we do have um, a lot of people in, in, with their families in our business. What sort of uh, advice would you give to people on some of the tips for success in running a family business? Well, I've touched on some of it already. Because uh, all family businesses, all private businesses are very similar in this. Not all the talent is in the family. Uh, and we've seen family businesses where they exist, the business exists for the family. And there are two different kinds of businesses there, by the way. There are businesses that exist for the family and there are families that exist for the business. Neither one is perfect. But if the, if the business is existing for the family, the business, I believe, is destined for failure. If the family is existing for the business, that means we're supporting the business and growing it. You can't, can't be 100% either way. There's a balance in there. But you have to recognize that not all the talent is in the family. And this goes back to surrounding yourself with good people. Uh, you gotta have a network of people you can call on, trusted friends, trusted advisors, who can help you through rough spots and just giving you advice, build a network. One of the, you know, you gotta stay open-minded, you gotta be flexible. And one of the things I really would caution people on, on is don't overextend yourself. And that, that covers two things. One is your time and your ability. You can get overextended there. That's where you need help. The other part is don't get overextended financially. You need to understand you got to operate within these guide rails and stay within them. If not, you're going to get yourself in a lot of trouble. And I would recommend that anybody have a rainy day fund. Uh, that's, you know, things aren't always going to go right. And so 
you need some financial support to fall back upon to get you through that rough period, whether it be three weeks, three months, six months, but you got to you, you got to have the resources to fall back upon them. And that's true in your personal life also. So true, so true. And it's, it's uh, especially that's uh, rainfall. Don't spend all the money you make. I had somebody says, not how much money you make that makes you rich. It's how much money you save that makes you rich. Uh, don't go spending it all. So just talking about that, Jeff, and talking about business, I know that, you know, you don't go a hundred years without some trials and tribulations and hardships and some struggles and how do you handle those down times in business? Oh boy. Well, un unfortunately, I've, I think I've lived through a lot of them. Um, how do you handle them? I touched on it before, consistent, constantly learning. You have to stay open and, and observe what's going on around you and learn and adapt what you're seeing there. You know, as a company, we've reinvented ourselves several times. At the time we were doing it, I didn't recognize it as brilliant reinventing. It was survival. Um, and, and so sometimes you get it, but you got to stay ahead of the game. And staying ahead of the game goes back to paying attention, learning, and being able to adapt. Don't get locked into the old way of doing things. Now, how do I deal with a personally deal with it? Again, learning. I have a very supportive family and that's important that your family be supportive and deal with you. I had, you know, the, what, what's the old adage? I heard this not too long ago. When we're young, we fall down a lot, so we learn how to get back up. And that's so true, because we're going to fall down in business frequently, and we're, we got to get back up. I remember when I was first in my sales territory, and I was, I was living in South Florida, which sounds like a great place to live, but it wasn't that great a place to be in, in sales But for me. But I did well. But my first week, I spent the entire week out on the road. and. I think I'm, I can still remember this. I made 22 sales calls that week. And that, that was a good week uh, because of the time it took to drive and the time it took to be in front of the customer. Did 22 sales calls that week. The closest thing to I got an or, to an order all week was shut up and get out. Um, so by the time I got home Friday night, I was lower than a snake's navel. Uh, I felt like crap. And now I don't remember what went on that weekend, other than my wife was very nice to me. Well, Monday morning, I got out of bed and I had a plan. But I went into my little office and I am going through my notes. I am rehearsing what I want to do until at some point she walks in there and goes, don't you have a sales call to go make? She was right. I went out and made a sales call. And I wrote an order that day. And that was the most valuable lesson I think I've ever learned in sales. When you fall down, get back up. There's always another sales call to make. There's always another opportunity. Yeah. 
Again, I so agree with that. The only time me, for me, the only time you fail in life is when you quit, when you throw the towel in. I mean, that's it. Otherwise, it's just it's just a learning process. Right. And some days they're great lessons, and some days they're bad lessons. But either way, you're learning. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're learning. So as we as you as you go through those challenges, uh, and you come back up them, I think you. The more you go through and the more you come through, you get a little bit more confident in dealing with problems and challenges. But you're going to have to go through a few first to get to that, that place where you, you can look at a problem and say, well, there is a way. There's, there is a way. Would mm-hmm. you agree with that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I had a boss many years ago when I was out in the field, uh, and his comment was, practice on the little ones so you're good with the big ones. Um, you make mistakes on little little things, you can learn from them without really making big mess out of things. Uh, but yeah, I, I still go back to when you fall down, get back up. So what advice would you give to, um, going back to the family thing, you've got people in family that are, that, are, that are looking to pass their business on, you've already touched on it. What, what, what one advice would you give to them? First generation. You know, this is, um, the business we're in is interesting because we can create an opportunity for families and passing it down through the generations. And there's, I think there's nothing more satisfying than seeing a business, whether it be Regalware or some of the other companies we work with, where they can pass it on to the next generation. But what advice would I give them? The first thing I would suggest is don't push the kids. Uh, don't push them to join the business. You've got to show them your passion for the business. You have to share your passion, get them to understand why this is important. But you know what? Sometimes the kids want to do something else and they go into the business because mom or dad thinks it's, think it's right. And that's not a good formula for success. But if you show them the opportunity, Show them your passion and share the passion with them. More often than not, they're going to come in. And I think this is really important. Give them the opportunity to fail. A lot, give them permission to fail because they're going to make mistakes. Particularly early on, they're not going to do everything right. And they sure as heck won't do it the way you always do it. Give them permission to fail. And then watch them succeed. I love that. Give them permission to fail. Because you can actually have too much pressure on your children. So they expect them to walk your steps and, uh, and it's, it might not be for them. Might not be for them. Absolutely. So Jeff, looking back, what's your, what would you say is your greatest achievements so far in your career? <laughs> oh, I, you've heard me say this before because I publicly stated it in meetings. My mission has always been to pass a successful and growing business on to the next generation. Now, the next generation, that has a couple of definitions. Obviously, the next generation might be my family, and it is. But the next generation is also you, all the leadership that's throughout this company, all the people who choose to work with us, and certainly our customers, because I have an obligation to pass on a successful business 
so that everybody can enjoy that success. You know, so many of our customers are, they're our customers. If we let them down, they're let down. Uh, we, we have an obligation. We owe it to them. We owe it to all the generations who follow us to pass that successful business on. So that's when I, and I now, as you pointed out, I'm semi-retired and I've been that way for a little over a year now. Uh, I've passed on a successful growing business. Um, there's still a lot more growing to do, a lot more success to have, but there's a good solid foundation. Yeah, and I, I, do, I do love that philosophy because it, it is really about being able, to, I call it being able to handle, hand the baton on to somebody else. You know, life is a, re, a relay race. And mm -hmm. part of your responsibility is being able to get yourself to a point where you can do well enough, but able to pass that on to give other people an opportunity to go out there. And direct sales does that. Yes. All right. I mean, that's one of the special things about uh, that direct sales as an industry to, to be in. So talking successes, what would you say would have been your biggest challenges? I could probably write a book on my biggest challenges and the things that I have made mistakes on. There are two big examples that come to mind and neither one of them were situations that I had control over in the beginning. The first one was the financial crisis of 2008. Uh, you know, that threw the world economy for a loop. Fortunately, Regalware is a conservative, conservatively run company. We have a strong balance sheet. Because if we did not, I do not believe we would have survived through 2009. There were so many failures in our industry. And believe me, it was tough. If we did not have that strong balance sheet, I honestly don't think we would be here. The second thing was, of course, COVID. When COVID first started, and I mean, for everybody, it was something new. How in the world do we deal with this? We did a, every morning we had a COVID task force meeting at 8.30. And that meeting would run 30 minutes to an hour as to what was going on. And if you remember that time, the situation was not changing daily, it was changing hourly. And the guidance was changing hourly. And we're trying to react as to what to do. And our factory was shut down, our office was shut down. Um, and we're trying to manage through it. That COVID task force was extremely helpful getting the best minds around the table to figure out how we deal with this. But the other thing that happened, and you were part of this, was our field organization very quickly pivoted. And it took about 45 days to go from what in the world are we going to do with this disaster to, oh my gosh, the business is starting to explode. And uh, I think the term you used was boom. Um, and it did. It did, and we scrambled like heck to catch up and keep up. So I, I guess when I say biggest challenges, I'm gonna view those as things that may have started that you didn't have any control over. Be COVID, the, the economy, invasion of Ukraine, inflation taking off right now. You had no control over that. What you do have control over is how you react to it. And you have to react to it. There's no sitting back and going, oh, woe is me. You have to develop a plan and work that plan.
Yeah, it, those are those times. You know, I look back at those times that we went through, especially through the the COVID times, which was just completely on parallels, and and what we had to deal with. Mm-hmm. And then I look now at some of the challenges we have, and I go, "This is nothing compared to <laughs> to what we had then." Which was so much uncertainty and doubts and and, and 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 challenges, like the world was coming to an end. But you see people making a big issue out of what I see as small issues today. Why do you think that is? Because they forgot about COVID and what they went through and how they survived it. You know that that's a great question, and I, I don't quite understand it. I do. I don't want to get too political here, but I think during COVID we made life too easy for a lot of people. And uh, there were a lot of handouts. And granted, many times those handouts were needed. But uh, it taught people, I'm waiting for the next handout, or I'm waiting for somebody to present something to me. Nobody owes you anything. Nobody's going to give you anything, you got to go out and earn it. And too many people sit around and are waiting for the opportunity. And I think it's sometimes it's the difference in mentality between a victim and a winner. And so often, oh, okay, the economy, the inflation is out of control right now. Oh, woe is me. What am I going to do about it? Well, you know what? Figure it out. Nobody else is going to figure it out for you. Eventually, the economy will recover. And eventually, you'll recover with the economy. But can you wait that long? Dare you wait that long? No, you've got to have work, develop a plan, work your plan. And this, uh, I said it in the beginning, when you fall down, get back up. There's always a way. There is always a way. That's, uh, I love the saying from Albert Einstein, in the middle of every difficulty lies opportunity. There is always yes. an opportunity. But if you're not looking for it, you'll never find it. You'll never find it. Talking about um, failure and rejection, is uh, is there any particular s- style that you've developed over the years that when you approach with failure and rejection to, to how you deal with it? Well, I'm still going to go back to when we're young, we fall down often, so we learn how to get back up again. And that's true. You you have failure, you get up the next morning and work your plan. Um, something that I, I have found important to me is I have a very supportive family. I have a wonderful wife, I have three great kids. Uh, my, my parents and my grandparents were wonderful. And so they, they, they've helped give me the strength to carry on. One of the other things that I, I would say here is you need to create time for yourself. The word recreation, the root in the word recreation is recreate. You need to take time to recreate yourself. And that means take a little bit of time off. Flush out the crap that's in your mind. Uh, You need go golfing, go take a run, whatever. Uh, but just something to help recreate, revitalize yourself. 
And I, I really, uh, not that I've been real good at that over the years, but I think it's important. It's very important. Absolutely. I need to do some more of that too myself, but yes, I have learned do. how to, <laughs> but I've learned how to, uh, what I do a lot is I do make sure that I have time for me. I call it me time. So, and, and when I go into me time mode, I'm not taking any calls. I'm not doing anything till I'm ready to start the day. And when I finish the day, I finish. And if, if you're busy traveling and you go out there, take time out to have a day or two here or a day or two there, just to, just for you, just for you. So I've, I've learned to do that, but it's important to do those things. So we're talking about this, the show is about the truth about success. And we've already had so many truths. Thanks for sharing them with you. So any, anything you'd like to ask about, what are your truths about success? My dad has a quote that I always thought was interesting. I'm sure he heard it from somebody else. So few people are successful because they're not willing to pay the price of success. And that goes back to what we were talking about just a moment ago. People who are feeling as their victims, people feeling they're entitled. Uh, no, there, there's a price to be paid for success. And some of that we just touched in, it cuts into our recreation, if you will. But you've got to decide what's most important to you. You do need some recreation, but you also need to put the effort in to be successful. And one of the keys to that, and I've always found this to be true, is you've got to have a plan. You've got to follow the plan. If you don't have a plan, you don't know where you're going. Yeah. There's a, there's a price for success. And what people don't understand is there's a price for failure. So either way, you're paying a price. You just got to decide which one you want to pay. <laughs> exactly. So Exactly. Pay, just decide whether you pay for success or you pay yeah. for failure. There's no getting out of it. You are making a payment. Mm -hmm. So you've just, you've just got to understand that. Uh, your top three tips for success, you've talked about, that, about them earlier. Is there anything you want to add to that? One of the things, I, I guess, you know, I, I keep coming back to education. And education comes in so many different forms. I mean, it's reading the newspaper, it's reading a book, it's talking to your mentor. Uh, it's sure it's going to school, uh, but it's not just sitting in a classroom. It's being open to new ideas and accepting new ideas. And one of the really interesting things about education, it doesn't make any difference what the world throws at you and what curves they may throw at you, what failures you may have. The one thing, the one thing the world can never take away from you is your education. And that's the foundation with which you succeed. Mm. So true. So, so again, another uh, analogy I use is I said, you can take my Rolex watch, you can take the cars, you can take everything away from me. But if you leave the brain and you leave that, I can get everything back. Because really, it's that knowledge, which is what you're talking about, and skill you've acquired over the years. That's what keeps you going. And you understand that, Iowa. I, I, I understand it. Uh, I wish more people did. 
because what's here is yours. No one can ever take it away from you. No one. No one. Mine's protected. It's heavily guarded, Jeff. It's heavily guarded. Some people have tried, but I've, uh, it, it's, it's in a, they can't see. There's a little, you know, steel something going around there. You can't get through to it. Uh, but thanks for that. So when you look at the turmoil in the world, because we're talking about attitudes and, and with all the, the turmoil we have in the world and we've got gas prices going on, people are listening to the news, we're being put into a panic situation. Now, what tips would you give to anyone to how to stay focused through all this? The thing that I have found works best for me, and I, I sound like a broken record here, but a plan have a plan, you know, and that starts with a plan for today. Uh, when I get out of bed in the morning, I know what I need to accomplish today. Now that list may grow during the day, but I need to know what I need to accomplish. And before I go to bed at night, I've got a list for tomorrow, but the plan doesn't end there. What do you need to accomplish in the next 90 days? What do you need to accomplish in the quarter? What things will you do get completed above all else? For you to be successful in the next 90 days. Beyond that, you got to have a plan for the next year. Now, the plan for the next year, you, you know where you're going, you know what you want to accomplish. And a lot of part of that plan for next year is your budget. How, how are you going to, what are you going to earn? How are you going to spend your money? How are you going to spend your money in your business to make your business grow? Um, beyond that, you got a three-year plan. And now this sounds like a lot of work. But it isn't, because if you don't plan, you're not going anywhere. Uh, but that three-year plan is certainly a lot looser than the one-year plan, but it gives you a pathway as to where you want to go. And then here's the big one I'll throw out there. You need a 10-year plan. And that 10-year plan is, you know, none of us have the ability to see that far into the future. But we all should know where we want to be in 10 years, what we want to have accomplished in 10 years. And so all the decisions I'm making today on my one-day plan, my three-month plan, my annual plan, are they supporting the goal that I want to reach in 10 years? If they're not supporting the goal, either I'm doing something wrong right now or the goal itself is wrong. Uh, but you got to have, that is how you stay focused, is have a plan, work the plan. And now I'm not saying the plan is cast in stone. Uh, it has to change sometimes. Uh, inflation changes some of the things we may have had in mind, but it doesn't change where you want to get to in 10 years. No. And so keep that in mind. Follow the plan. Well, to everyone listening right now, you know, we're talking about the truth about success. This is just, this is just one of the fundamentals of being successful. You can't keep it all in here and figure it all in here. You have to take this and put it on paper and, and look at it and plan it and get something going there. And there's so many, so many things you can go online now you can go and get i've done so many training and goal setting but you've got to have a do you have a plan I'm, i think the question if somebody's just listening right now go have you got a plan are you just listening and you're strolling through life and life like a bump car like the next thing that happens to you just 
pushes you down this way? Or do you have a rudder in your boat that you know where you're going? Right. Uh, talking about that. Yeah. Imagine we've got somebody in front of you right now, just starting out. They're just about to go out. They're getting ready to go out and open a business. What advice would you give them? What's a plan? <laughs> well, okay. You've answered my question, Niall. Uh, yes, you have to have a plan. Uh, terminology used sometimes is a roadmap. You know what? If you don't have a roadmap, any road you take will get you somewhere, uh, but it may not necessarily be where you want to be. Have a plan. The other thing is surround yourself with good people. And I keep coming back to that. You want good people around you, smart people around you, quality people around you, people who you look up to. Um, you want mentors. Um, you know, in a mentor, you know, we, we sometimes think of that as a formal relationship where people sit down and they talk to each other and you're coaching me, but that's not always the case. A mentor many times is somebody who maybe you know them and maybe you don't know them, but it's somebody who you look up to and you want to emulate. And so again, pay attention to the people who are around you and make sure you're surrounded with good quality, positive people who can help you move forward. Yeah, again, another truth about success there, mentors are critical. And like you said, you don't have to know them. You can, you can, you can buy their book and, and learn from mm -hmm. them. I've, I've learned to look for people who have similar personalities than me. When I was starting out, I looked for people that might type of personality uh, that were successful. And then I use them as mentors because you can see somebody's with a personality and you go, well, but I'm not like that person. I'm not that. Uh, but there's, mm -hmm. a, there's so many mentors out there. You can find one and don't, not too many because you can, uh, two or three is good. But um, as you grow on, that's good. So Jeff, we're coming near to the end now. I just wanted to ask you that as you reflect back on your life if you could change one thing what what would that be <laughs> oh see you're surprising me here with a question uh if i could change one thing i don't there's think many I would... things we can change but which one oh, yeah. do you want to share with us <laughs> uh i don't think i was as focused as i should have been on the business um, we have a wonderful leadership team in place today who um, I am so thrilled with uh, and, and they are focused and they are moving the, the business forward. Um, although, you know, I think when you look back, as you get older, you slow down a little bit, but you may not realize you're slowing down. Uh, now that I've kind of stepped out of the way, I realize, gee, I was slowing down because now I'm starting to see things accelerate again. Um, there's, oh, I could go through a multitude of things, a list of failures and things that I wish I could do different. But I, I think the focus would be number one and number two is probably spend a little more time with my family. Yeah. Well, I got asked that question, uh, Jeff, and I says, oh, I don't even have to think about it. One of the biggest regrets, and I've had a great career when I look back, is I just didn't think big enough. That's when I look back. 
Mm -hmm. I just think there's so much more you could have done with the same time and be more effective just by being more effective uh, and not just letting the hours happen to you. But that's great. One of the things you do do uh, a lot that I'm sure you're very proud of, I know you don't talk about it, but the family has done so many things for the community, so many charities that you have country, contributed. You've, you know, Regal Way have made a difference in the community over the years. Do you mind sharing which one of those things? I mean, there's so many, which, which one or two uh, you sort of look back on that you're, you're proud of? Well, as I look back, you know, I, when I was younger and our children were little, my wife and I really focused on charitable activities that affected the children. Either we could be with them or was raising money for them on the board of a Montessori school, local school, you know, Boy Scouts, uh, I coached soccer at one time, if you can believe that. Didn't know anything about it, but I was a coach. Uh, but it kept you involved with the kids. As the kids grew up, started to get involved in more community activities like United Way and, and, and things like that. I actually served as a trustee on the uh, board of trustees for the college I went to, Carroll College, which was a unique, exciting experience. But when I looked as I grew and became more involved in industry activities, there was the Cookware Manufacturers Association, which I served on that group for many, many years and president for a while. Then you touched an introduction about the Direct Selling Association and the Direct Selling Education Foundation. I have found those groups to be extremely beneficial for me. And it kind of goes to the mentoring thing. Uh, regardless of my age, I go to those meetings and I learn from people. And, and I think that's really what we're talking about here is build a network of people who you can learn from. And that starts in your community. Uh, coaching a soccer team, whatever it is, you're building a network. The one thing that I would say that I'm most proud of is my family owned a piece of land uh, here in Kewaskum, Wisconsin. Um, and it, uh, I'm trying to remember, I think it was about 30 some acres. So it's a sizable piece of land. There was a need in the community for a facility for youth sports. And so we donated that piece of land to the village of Kewaskum, which it has now been turned into a park. The thing that, I'm most proud of is the name of the park is Regal Family Park, uh, spelt the way my family spells their name. Uh, that was important to my father. It was important to us. Today, that park is full of soccer fields. Uh, there's a pond in there. There's a gymnasium play area in there for kids. Uh, and there's some baseball diamonds in there. So that's, that's huge in giving back to the community. And that's some of the benefits of being successful is you can reach out outside of your family and touch other families and make it and make such a difference. Yeah. Well, as we come to the, to the end, Jeff, we have people who are starting out who want to be successful. There's a long road ahead. There's tests and trials and, you know, failures and rejections. Uh, you're the other side of that fence there on this side. Was it worth it? 
I'm going to quote one of my mentors here. Um, his name's Iowa Alasende. Uh, and I probably won't quote it exactly right, but I've heard you say so many times something to the effect is nobody's better than you. They're just doing something differently than you. Learn from those people. Study them, learn from them. Why are they being successful and you're struggling? That is, I think, that, that is such great advice. It's such a great way to get people focused on how to be successful. Surround yourself with good people and listen to them, take their advice. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks. I, 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 it took me many years to realize that nobody was better than me, but they were ahead of me because they'd studied, they'd worked hard, they trained, they did whatever they did. And I was over here. So I appreciate that. Appreciate that. And one of the many traits you have, you've had is empowering people. As I've watched you over the years from afar, I've seen you do like to encourage people. You do like to empower them to bring out the best the best in best in them. Why why do you do that? This is something that I learned from my grandfather. And he truly believed in offering people an opportunity. And when you offer people an opportunity, you have to empower them to be successful with that opportunity. Now, again, what you do with the opportunity is up to you. Will you run with it? Will you be successful or will you squander it? That was your choice. But we want to empower people to be successful, to be the best that they can be. My grandfather's attitude towards that is really part of the culture of our family. It's also part of the culture of our company. Regalware Re believes very, very strongly in empowering people and moving people up. Now, Part of it also, Io, is that I've said it before, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. So I wanna surround myself with good people. Uh, well, how do those good people succeed? You have to empower them. You have to empower them because by them growing, I grow. Uh, and it's uh, we, the terminology we use is delegate and elevate. If I delegate something to someone and empower them to get it done, I'm elevating their skill level, but I'm also elevating me. It's elevated, it's freeing me from whatever this issue was to focus more on the bigger picture business issues. And so this delegate and elevate is a really strong concept. Uh, and, and I think we, again, don't be afraid of people who are smarter around you. They will only help you. And, and if you don't empower people, then it's only you who can do the job. And five years from now, it's still only you that can do the job. And you go, I don't understand why I'm not growing because, well, you're the only one who can do the job. I've, you know, duplication is so important to be able to duplicate yourself. I've, I've listened to uh, people, our, some of our distributors say, well, I'm doing everything I did five years ago, even harder, and it's not getting any better. Well, you know what? If you're doing it all yourself and you're doing exactly the, were, the way you were five years ago, it's not going to get any better. You need good people around you to help you envision what a path forward might be. Yeah. It's interesting to watch people who get successful. They go through the program. 
they become successful through the skills, the sales ability, and then they decide they want to go and do admin. And, and stay in the office, and I go like, I, I, I just don't get it. I don't get it. I don't get so, it either. <laughs> Jeff, it's been great talking to you on a personal issue. What's your favorite dish? What's your favorite dish? Well, that's you a good thousands question. Thousands of people here would like to cook you your favorite dish. Well, you know, you've, you've noticed I eat a lot of food. So I, I, I like a lot of things. The thing that I probably enjoy the most, and there's a story that goes with this, is veal scallopini. And the reason being, and Jean and I found this out a few years ago, she found a great recipe for veal scallopini. And so, but it takes two people to make it. It's complicated. And so we get out our oil core fry pan and we fire it up and we, we prepare the whole meal in there. But it, it's a project and it, and it takes us a while. But it, it is absolutely delicious. And with a great bottle of wine, it's a wonderful evening. That sounds like my type of, uh, well, not the veal, but the, the wine. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, but, okay, well, Jeff, look, thanks for sharing uh, what your wealth of information. I mean, this has been one of the best interviews we've done. So many nuggets in there. Any last tips you'd like to share before you we bring it to a close? You know, I think I'll go back to what I said earlier. And that's the three tips. Get up in the morning and work your plan. Two, never stop learning. And three, surround yourself with good people. Wow. Thank you. Well, thank you, Jeff. Uh, some great information. We really appreciate it. And to our listeners here, this is it. You know, like, subscribe, join us. We are here on a mission to empower you to take action, not to get excited. This information is not just you go, wow, that was a great interview and you don't change anything. This is about you reflecting, going back, thinking about it, getting pen and paper, just like Jeff said, make a plan, get a one-year plan, three-year plan, 10-year plan, and just keep looking at it and keep working at it. Success is at the end of the road. It's, it's not overnight. One good day doesn't make a good week. One good week doesn't make a good year. And one good year doesn't make a good decade. That's what I found. You've got to commit to that decade and give it everything you've got and surround yourself, like Jeff said, with some great people around you. Uh, and you'll be amazed how quickly you too can enjoy your success for you and your family. So thank you, Jeff. Thank you for tuning in. Again, like, subscribe. Join us, get on the program, and we'll see you somewhere, sometime. And make sure you listen to this more than once, because there is so much knowledge of information in there. So look forward to celebrating your success with you. <laughs>